and now a look at local and statewide news. Three problem bears have been killed last week, each one caught eating garbage from a dumpster on Salif Lane, according to Fish and Game area biologist Nate Svoboda. KPD shot the third one on Salif Thursday night, though it wasn't immediately killed. It's my understanding that once again the dumpster was left open. Either that or there was trash left outside the dumpster, which has been a pretty common occurrence, unfortunately, on Salif Lane. This third bear was about eight feet tall, a six- or seven-year-old male weighing about 900 pounds. Sabota said the injured bear wandered only about 50 yards from the dumpster, and KPD, wildlife troopers, and fish and game were able to find the bear and put it down on Friday. It's a reminder that even in the winter, being bear aware is as necessary as ever. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game recommends keeping all garbage securely indoors until the morning of trash pickup, and for dumpster users, making sure the bear-proof closures are securely locked. It's important for people to not uh, leave any sort of attractant in their vehicle whatsoever. You know, I mean, even car fresheners and things like that, these are things that bears can certainly smell. And just based on their curiosity, um, we'll often investigate those. And so, yeah, anything aromatic whatsoever, um, you know, don't put it in your car, don't, don't put it in your trash can outside. Um, other things that a lot of people forget sometimes, if, if you live in an area that happens to be active with bear behavior, you know, bird feeders, dog food on your porch, if you're raising poultry or livestock, that can also bring them into your area. So these are all things that people need to be aware of. And, and if you live in an area where with increased bear activity, I would recommend that you remove all that stuff, at least for the time being. Certainly with the third bear put down, the risk of problem bears is not gone. Sabota says they've had a few reports Monday morning and over the weekend of another bear getting into a vehicle. Kodiak Electric Association's new water diversion project has taken a lot of the worry out of how dry weather conditions might affect the area's power supply. KMXT's Maggie Wall has more. KEA president and CEO Darren Scott says... The days of water shortages potentially disrupting power production could well be a thing of the past. That's thanks to the new Upper Hidden Basin Diversion Project, which went online this past fall. Lack of precipitation at higher elevations means less water in Terror Lake. And if it's a dry summer, like in recent years, the low water levels could mean less hydroelectric power available to use. We're in great shape, so I was really concerned this summer due to the, well, the great summer we had, the dry summer, and normally we've been much much more concerned about it. With the project coming online, it really mitigates a lot of that type of risk because we're going to have plenty of water for the years to come. The Upper Hidden Basin Diversion Project does pretty much what its name says. It diverts water from the Upper Hidden Basin area by catching water from two streams and then diverts it into Terra Lake by way of a 1.2-mile tunnel. Despite the challenges of building tunnels and blasting at high elevations, the project was completed a full year ahead of schedule and on budget. Scott credits the contractors and their ability to work as an efficient team. I would just just compliment the whole team uh, working together. Our crews here that, that work with them, the engineering firm, Schnabel Shell, and then the construction company, Kiwit. Everybody worked great together, and, and everybody did good in individual parts as well. And it was just a, a good team and a, and a good, good process. 
It's estimated that the project will increase water in the lake by 25%, a nice cushion against dry weather. Scott noted that water levels at the lake rose by about 30 feet in the first six to seven weeks of the project being online. That, that is quite a bit of growth in the, in the fall, for sure, yes. Scott says the project was built with the future in mind and greatly increases KEA's capacity to provide green energy into the future. In all, KEA's energy production is same as 100% renewable, largely due to Terror Lake. Scott says the town isn't exactly 100%, only because sometimes KEA runs the backup diesel generators to keep them in shape. For KMXT News, I'm Maggie Wall. The ferry Kennecott will be delayed getting back into Kodiak in April. The Alaska Department of Transportation and Public Facilities announced on Friday that in order to provide service around Prince William Sound on April 23rd and 24th, the Kennecott's trip from Homer to Kodiak on April 25th will be delayed. DOT says passengers are being notified and rebooked, and the sailing schedule has been updated on FerryAlaska.com. You can contact the Kodiak terminal at 907-486-3800. The Village Public Safety Officer Working Group adopted the final version on Friday of the recommendations it introduced earlier this month. There was only one substantive change to the recommendations. The Working Group now recommends keeping unfunded mandates for the VPSO program because of the state budget shortage. Previously, the group had recommended repealing all unfunded mandates. The report won praise from stakeholders gathered in the room. That includes Tanana Chiefs Conference and the Association of Village Council Presidents in the Yukon-Kaskokwim Delta, all of whom gave input to the report. Will Mayo is the executive director of the Tanana Chiefs Conference and co-chairs the Alaska Federation of Natives. As I was reading the findings and recommendations, uh, it was so absolutely enjoyable. To, to see, just to see the heart of this working group uh, coming out in really caring and getting it. The Department of Public Safety, however, did not comment on the report. The department's representative at the public hearing says staff turnover prevented the department from thoroughly reviewing the document. The working group will send the report to the legislature to be drafted into a bill. As the 2020 legislature kicks into gear, lawmakers are preparing to focus on the state budget and other priorities. Bethel Democrat Tiffany Zolkowski, who is also the only Alaska Native woman in the House, talked with KYUK's Christy Schallenberger on her hopes that the state will establish stronger relationships with Alaska Native tribes and draft a sustainable state budget. Tiffany Zolkowski's biggest priority is similar to last year, the state budget. Dunleavy has proposed a state budget that would keep a $3,000 permanent fund dividend and avoid the large cuts he proposed last year. Instead, it would use money from the Constitutional Budget Reserve to cover the $1.5 billion deficit to pay for state services. Zolkowski doesn't think the proposed budget is realistic in its current form. She says her job is to make sure the budget and PFD amounts are sustainable for years to come. Our savings accounts that the state has really enjoyed spending from from the last several years to um, fund our budget are really depleted. You know, I think what we're going to have to do again in the House and in the legislature is really find a balance 
between a sustainably sized dividend and and finding um, sustainability in our budget overall. But while she tackles the state budget, Zolkowski is also looking at legislation in other areas. She is now the chair for the Health and Social Services Committee while maintaining her leadership for the Special Committee on Tribal Affairs. Last year, the committee held hearings to explain the intricacies of treaties, public safety, and government-to-government relationships with Alaska Native tribes. Zolkowski says she plans to keep focusing on the missing and murdered indigenous people crisis and public safety. And we have some ideas that we're potentially going to be bringing into light um, sometime this session. Another priority is tribal compacting, which is a formal agreement between governments that defines what role each plays to provide services. Governor Dunleavy says last year that he plans to pursue an education agreement with the state's tribes. Senator Gary Stevens, a Republican from Kodiak, has introduced a bill to do just that. It's scheduled for a hearing next week. Zulkuski urges the Dunleavy administration to make sure tribes have the resources from the state to provide these services. We want to make sure that tribes feel empowered and comfortable with any sort of policy language that's going to be introduced because they would ultimately be the ones entering into negotiations with the state of Alaska. In a statement, Dunleavy says the administration is currently in, quote, active discussions with the Department of Education and Early Development, legislatures, tribes, education groups, and stakeholders regarding legislation to create tribal compacting for education, unquote. Meanwhile, Zolkowski's other priorities include public health and protecting the Power Cost Equalization Endowment Fund. Zolkowski is also planning to run for re-election later this year. She has already filed the paperwork. Reporting in Bethel, I'm Christy Schallenberger. The legislature voted on Friday against overriding Governor Mike Dunleavy's vetoes of funding for school bond debt reimbursement, rural school construction, and the ferry system. The vote was 37 in favor of the override and 20 against it. That fell short of the 45 votes needed for an override. Alaska requires the highest share of lawmakers to vote for budget veto overrides of any state. Bethel Democratic Senator Lyman Hoffman voted for the override. He says shifting the cost of school construction to municipalities puts local officials in a difficult position. He raised the possibility that local officials would have to choose between classroom teachers and paying bonds before imagining what they would do if they were in the legislature. If I were sitting here as a school board member voting, I would have no other choice. No other choice if I'm going to stand up for education but to press the green button. Big Lake Republican Representative Mark Newman voted against the override. He said his constituents are willing to forego bond debt reimbursement to reduce states' funding. That's despite the Matanuska Susitna borough growing by roughly 400 children annually. That's a new school every year. But the people in the Matsu have said, you know, we'll get by with what we got. We'll make it work. Dunleavy administration officials have noted that school districts statewide have $500 million in reserve accounts, but override supporters say much of that money is committed for other expenses or is needed to maintain local bond ratings. Administration officials also have said he'll propose roughly $12 million for the ferry system as part of a supplemental budget bill in early February. Kodiak Republican Representative Louise Stutes voted for the override. She says the override is a separate issue from the supplemental budget. There was more testimony uh, and support of increased ferry funding this last year 
than there was of any other issue. Palmer Republican Senator Shelley Hughes voted against the override. She says she knows the ferry veto isn't easy for coastal communities. But we make lifestyle choices. That's the unique and great thing about this state. We have a diversity, a diverse place to live. And, you know, when you choose to live on an island, there are things associated with that. When you choose to live where there are no roads, there are, there's transportation issues, issues you have to deal with. The legislature took the vote during a joint session a day ahead of the constitutional deadline. KMXT Local News is underwritten in part by GCI, offering connectivity to communities around the state with the latest smartphones and internet packages. A full list of services and store locations can be found at GCI.com. And by Artinger's Fine Furnishings, proud to offer a variety of sofas and love seats made in Oregon by Stanton, as well as massage and zero-gravity chairs by Human Touch. Find the fabric and style that fits your lifestyle in the store or by special order. Also featuring inviting rugs, lamps, and accessories for your home at Artinger's 486-5554. This is Fish Radio. I'm Lainey Welch. Seafood lovers support well-managed fisheries. More after this. Integrated Marine Systems is the leader in marine refrigeration in Alaska. Simple, reliable, built to last. Visit imspacific.com. Seafood lovers around the world believe that the biggest threat to the oceans is pollution, followed by overfishing. Those are some of the top takeaways from a survey this year of over 25,000 people in 22 countries. The survey was done by the public opinion research firm GlobalScan for the Marine Stewardship Council. The nonprofit MSC led the movement 20 years ago towards certifying fisheries that are managed sustainably. Sourcing seafood from earth-friendly fisheries has become a requirement of doing business by most seafood buyers around the globe. The study found that 72% of seafood consumers want sustainability verifications at their supermarkets, but price is still the biggest motivator for buying decisions. 72% also agreed that buying seafood from sustainable sources will help save our oceans. 70% said people should switch their purchases to well-managed fisheries. 83% of global consumers agreed that seafood needs to be protected for future generations. 70% said they'd like to hear more from companies about their sustainability purchasing practices. Younger consumers are even more tuned in to choosing sustainable seafood, with 41% of 18- to 34-year-olds understanding what the Marine Stewardship Council label means. That younger group also showed a slightly different profile, eating less seafood on average and worrying more about the effects of climate change on the oceans than their older counterparts. Global consumers rated certification organizations third for their contribution to protecting the oceans after NGOs and scientists, governments, and large companies rated as contributing the least. Find links at alaskafishradio.com. Fish Radio is also brought to you by Ocean Beauty Seafoods. In Kodiak, I'm Lainey Welch. (laughs) 
This is the Island Messenger, a look at personal messages, the weather, and community announcements. Welcome to this noon edition of the Island Messenger. It's 18 degrees and mostly cloudy in Kodiak today. This afternoon, cloudy with a high near 19 degrees, west winds 5 to 10 miles per hour. A chance of snow showers between 9 p.m. and 3 a.m. tonight, mostly cloudy with a low around 13. Calm winds becoming north around 5 miles after midnight and a 30% chance of precipitation. Tuesday, snow mainly in the afternoon, areas of blowing snow in the afternoon. Highs near 29 and north winds 5 to 10 miles per hour becoming northeast 20 to 30 miles miles per hour. A 100% chance of precipitation on Tuesday with 1 to 2 inches of snow accumulation possible. In Homer today, a chance of snow before noon, slight chance of snow after 3 p.m., mostly cloudy and a high near 14 degrees with north winds at 10 miles per hour. And up in Anchorage today, it's 5 degrees, mostly cloudy. This afternoon, a 40% chance of snow, mostly cloudy with a high near 6 degrees and north winds 10 to 15 miles per hour. 50% chance of snow for Anchorage tonight, mostly cloudy and a low around negative 3. North winds 5 to 10 miles per hour, becoming light northwest after midnight. Looking at our marine forecast for today, from Marmot Island to Sikkanak, there's a gale warning on Tuesday. Today, northwest winds of 30 knots becoming west 20 knots in the afternoon with seas at 7 feet and freezing spray. Tonight, west winds of 20 knots with seas at 6 feet and freezing spray. Chiniac Bay has a small craft advisory on Tuesday. Today, northwest winds of 20 knots becoming west 10 knots in the afternoon with seas at 3 feet and freezing spray. And tonight, variable winds of less than 10 knots with seas at 2 feet. Marmot Bay has a small craft advisory today and Tuesday. Today, northwest winds of 25 knots becoming west 10 knots in the afternoon. Seas at 3 feet with freezing spray. And tonight, variable winds of less than 10 knots becoming northwest 10 knots after midnight with seas at 2 feet. Shellacoff Strait has a gale warning on Tuesday and a heavy freezing spray warning through Tuesday as well. Today, northeast winds of 25 knots early shifting to northwest. Seas at 7 feet with heavy freezing spray. Tonight, west winds of 25 knots with seas at 6 feet and heavy freezing spray. West of the Barren Islands, including Kamishak Bay, expect a gale warning through Tuesday and heavy freezing spray warning through Tuesday as well. Today, northwest winds of 35 knots with seas at 15 feet, heavy freezing spray. And tonight, northwest winds of 35 knots with seas at 13 feet and heavy freezing spray. East of the Barren Islands, a gale warning today and Tuesday. Today, west northwest winds of 40 knots with seas at 9 feet and freezing spray. And tonight, west winds of 30 knots with seas at 8 feet and freezing spray. Today is the 27th of January. Sunrise this morning was at 9.23 a.m. and sunset tonight will be at 5.24 a.m. p.m. Excuse me. That's eight hours flat of daylight that we're getting today, which is four minutes and nine seconds more than we got yesterday. The record high on this day was 47 degrees in 1985 and the record low was negative five in 2012. High tides for Kodiak will be coming in at 3.10 p.m., 9.04 feet, 9.04 feet. Low tide will be out at 9.46 p.m., negative 0.46 feet. Over on the west side, high tides at 3.53 p.m., 18.81 feet, and low tide will be at 10.14 p.m., negative 1.16 feet. Looking at our community announcements for today, the call for entries for the 8th Annual Altered Book Art Show have begun. Co-sponsored by the Kodiak Arts Council, the Kodiak Public Library, and the Public Library Association. Drop off all entries to the Arts Council or to the Public Library by Monday, February 3rd. Every Thursday from 1 to 2 p.m., the library offers weekly tech sessions to help you learn how to use a new device or access online resources. Call or come by the library to set up an appointment so that your specific issue is addressed. 
Also, the next dinner and the movie will be on Monday, January 27th, that's today, at 6 p.m., with the film The Public. An act of civil disobedience turns into a standoff with police when homeless people in Cincinnati take over the public library to seek shelter from the cold. This film is rated PG-13. On Wednesday at 10.30 a.m., it's Lapsit Storytime. It's a great opportunity to engage early literacy concepts and social skills through play. Families with children 0 to 36 months old are welcome. Later on Wednesday at 3 p.m. is Lego Fun. It's a drop-in program for youth and adults. Children under 10 must be accompanied by an adult. The monthly meeting of the Kodiak Women's Resource and Crisis Center Board of Directors is tomorrow, Tuesday, January 28th at the KWRCC office at 418 Hillside Drive. The meeting starts at 6 p.m. and it's open to the public. Providence Kodiak Medical Center is offering free birthing classes for expectant mothers at or before 20 weeks of pregnancy for you and your labor support team. The series of classes covers everything you need to know about labor, delivery, and caring for your newborn. The full cycle of classes runs for eight weeks and are held every Wednesday evening starting at 5.30 p.m. No registration is required and you can start at any time. You can also make up a class if you missed one by catching the next cycle of classes. Find the weekly schedule on the Providence website or call 907-486-9569. That's Wednesdays from 5.30 to 7 p.m. at the PKIMC Pyramid Room. Stop by admitting and ask for directions. February 1st is the third annual Community Baby Shower welcoming the babies of 2019 to the world. All babies born in 2019 and their families are invited to attend an afternoon of food, door prizes, games, speakers, and more. Located at the Canaconiac Building, 194 Alamac Drive on your island, the Community Baby Shower starts at 11 a.m. and goes until 2 p.m. The Kodiak Island Big Year Challenge is a chance for Kodiak birders of all skill levels to celebrate a year of birding. Participants must find as many bird species as possible here in Kodiak Island's eBird region during 2020. To help everyone with the challenge, Kodiak Audubon is offering bird walks and workshops throughout the year, plus monthly prizes. To be eligible for a grand prize, you must reach one of two levels, 50 birds for newbies or 100 birds for experienced birders. Participants are required to log their checklists into eBird. You can set up an account on eBird.org. To enter Kodiak's 2020 Big Year Challenge, email your name, your eBird username, and your experience level, as well as indicate that you've paid your $5 registration fee to the Kodiak Audubon store. Email all of that to kodiakaudubon at gmail.com. The contest began on January 1st, and it continues through December 31st, 2020. All participants must submit their bird list to eBird no later than January 6th, 2021 to be eligible. And that's all I have for you for today. Listen for the Island Messenger here on Public Radio KMXT three times a day, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m., during the midday report at 1220, and in the evening at 7 o'clock. If you have a community announcement or personal message, including lost and found items or pets, you can call KMXT at 486-3181, fax us at 486-2733, or email psa at kmxt.org.